0: Hello, I am Philip Kennedy. Thank you for downloading this podcast of the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. We hope you enjoy listening to this. For more information about our programs, please visit www.nyuad.nyu.edu. Good evening and welcome to a special lecture organized and supported by the NYU Abu Dhabi Institute. Uh, today we are hosting Professor Zafra M. Lerman, a Distinguished Professor Emeritus of Science and Public Policy at Columbia College Chicago and Founding and Current President of the Conferences Foundation. I was hoping to host Safra at Harvard this summer. Uh, I was uh, 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 making a seminar, a seminar there, but unfortunately, due to these conditions, we are not. Uh, uh, this did not happen. So instead, we are having Safra now with us here to give us our seminar, and we are very happy because she is very busy. She gets a lot of invitations for online conferences, but among all these invitations, she selected to come and join us and give this special lecture at NUI Galway. Uh, The Middle East holds impressive human and intellectual potential and resources, yet the current political situation and restrictive conditions do not allow for the full exploration of that potential. The deep political divisiveness remains one of the major impediments towards establishing and nurturing personal communication and professional collaborations extending across borders and beyond political disputes. In an attempt to shift the knowledge-based economies, uh, several countries in the Gulf, including the UAE and the MENA region, having oil-based economies have invested heavily in the development of STEM-related education, as well as science and technology. The ultimate aim of these significant long-term investments is to transform their rapidly growing economies into advanced, developed knowledge-exporting societies capable of achieving sustainable development by 2030. The four central pillars of that endeavor, namely economic, social, human, environmental development, include as uh, STEM education and scientific research and collaboration as two of the most important components. Despite the recent positive developments in the Gulf region brought about by the historic Abraham Accords, Regrettably, this part of the world remains deeply divided, lacking the capacity to overcome the differences that impede the exploration of its full academic and human potential. Clearly, there is a still a lot of work to be done to remove these political barriers. And our speaker this evening has shown us by example how to do this through science. So this evening, we are delighted to host a speaker, Professor Tsafra Lerman. A philanthropist, peace activist, humanitarian, and a fellow chemist that I'm especially proud of, Professor Lerman is a global advocate for human rights. She has already made a remarkable impact around the world by prioritizing peace through science and art as the center of the work of the Malta Conferences Foundation she established. During five decades of an incredibly impactful career, Professor Lerman has become best known for a commitment in unique approach to peace activism, which uses science as a connecting, uh, connecting and universal human value to promote peace and to advocate for human rights. In her works, she noted that as chemists, and I belong to that group, we have an obligation to make the planet a better place for humankind. This cause has remained the main inspiration for her work on scientific freedom and human rights, particularly those of chemists at risk. Professor Lerman holds a PhD in chemistry from the Weizmann Institute of Science in 1969 and a master's and bachelor of science both in chemistry from Technion in Haifa. She started her chemistry adventure in high school, where she was the only female student in a science and mathematics oriented class. Whether building roads in the desert close to the Red Sea as a student, helping in a kibbutz, or studying chemistry in the evenings during her army service, it is undeniable that Professor Lerman has been on an incredible journey that took her from building roads to building bridges to peace and from chemistry to chemistry of diplomacy. Her research was related to isotope effects, a theme that she worked on initially at the Weizmann Institute and continued working on at Cornell, Northwestern, and at the Zürich. In the course of her research, she realized that chemistry should be made accessible to all and that science education is a basic human right. Perhaps less known, although widely recognized, is her passion for teaching science through art. In 1977, Professor Lerman was appointed the first science faculty of Columbia College, Chicago, a private college in Chicago specializing in arts and media disciplines. In the School of Liberal Arts and Sciences, she established and acted as the chair of the Department of Science and Mathematics, one of the school's six departments. She developed a method of teaching chemistry using art, music, dance, and drama, which attracted students from a wide range of backgrounds. In her approach, Professor Lerman set a goal of making chemistry accessible to everyone, and has helped chemists in countries such as Soviet Union, China, Chile, Guatemala, and many other countries. In 1991, she founded the Institute for Science Education and Science Communication, also known as the Science Institute, at Columbia College and served as the head of the institute until 2009. And since 1991, she has been a distinguished professor of science and public policy at Columbia College. Her support for scientists at risk of politically motivated persecution and imprisonment was perhaps most directly reflected in her capacity as the chair of the American Chemical Society Subcommittee on Scientific Freedom and Human Rights, a position she held for 25 years starting in 1986. For her achievements, Professor Lerman has received about 20 honors and awards in recognition of her work. In 1999, she was awarded the Presidential Award for Excellence in Science, Mathematics, and Engineering Mentoring, by the president of the United States, Bill Clinton. In in 2015, the American Association of the Advancement of Science recognized her work with the award for science. And in 2010, she was named fellow of the American Chemical Society. The recognition of her work culminated uh, in as many as three nominations for the Nobel Peace Prize last year. A signature accomplishment of Professor Lerman's fruitful career is the Malta Conference Series, one of the few, if not the only academic conference that hosts participants from both the Arab countries and Israel. With its 10th edition planned for December this year, the conference is the main event of the Malta Conferences Foundation, a nonprofit organization that uses science diplomacy as a bridge to peace in the Middle East. This conference series was established to address the shared desire to improve the quality of life and political stability in the Middle East and serves to identify unique opportunities for collaboration to meet the scientific and technical challenges of the region. The scope of the scientific meeting is general and the conference is radically attended by leading academic figures and political stakeholders. With the support from the american chemical society the international union of pure and applied chemistry the royal society of chemistry the german chemical society and more recently with the support from unesco the malta conference has been immensely successful in bringing together academics from both the arab countries and israel it has generated strong professional and personal ties initiated a dialogue, and set a platform for mutual understanding, appreciation, and cooperation across borders. I think this is very little of what I can say for Professor Lerman, but um, I think she can say more about her work in her lecture that, that follows. So Professor Lerman, the virtual floor is yours.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for writing the book of my biography, I appreciate it very much, and I am glad to give my first Zoom lecture during the pandemic to uh, the, the Abu Dhabi uh, you Institute. Uh, I wish I could be in Abu Dhabi. It would be much nicer than being in Chicago, where it's very cold and covered with snow. But after waiting so long to go there, uh, I agreed to give a Zoom lecture. Uh, usually, I like to see my audiences because I adjust my lecture according to the reaction from the audience. And it will be a very strange experience to give a lecture without seeing the audience. But I would like to thank uh, all the people uh, in Abu Dhabi that joined us for this evening and the people in the United States That got up early in the morning and joined us too. So, thank you very much. And with that, I'll share my screen. The title of my talk is Science Diplomacy in the Middle East, Challenges and Opportunities. This beautiful rock that you see in the picture is in Malta, and it's a rock that forms a bridge, which is very appropriate for this title. I started my science diplomacy career in 1982 with the... Albert Einstein Peace Foundation, where I was on the executive committee. In 1982, we decided to have a project that will have a scientific collaboration between Egypt and Israel. And so there was a peace agreement signed, but there was really very little interaction. And the idea was, to build an agricultural settlement in Egypt, in the Mariut area, and where it will resemble a moshav, an agricultural settlement in Israel. So we called the meeting in Corsica, and brought in Israeli scientists and Egyptian scientists with Americans, and we had a five-day conference where we uh, developed this project that was taken after that uh, by USAID. And the project continues till today. It's in the way to Alexandria. And I mentioned it because when I'll talk today about the Malta conferences, I will refer back to this conference that gave some ideas on how to run the Malta conference. The first of the Malta conference in 2001, the members of the subcommittee on scientific freedom and human rights of the ACS decided that we should contribute through science to the stability, understanding and peace in the Middle East. And the idea was to bring scientists from all the 15 Middle East countries under the same roof for 24 hours a day together with six Nobel laureates for the first conference, and develop a scientific collaboration in order to solve the the problems of the region and the world. But more important, develop friendships that will continue for a long time. This idea was brought in front of the board of the American Chemical Society, who approved it and the first conference was sponsored as you heard by the ACS mainly with participation of a UPAC, and a Royal Society of Chemistry and the German Chemical Society. UNESCO supported the conference since its inception and UNESCO is still involved with these conferences. This is the map of the Middle East, how we scientists see it and how the environment sees it. You realize that there are no borders. Borders were put by different countries who ruled in different times in this area. But we scientists don't recognize this border. And in Malta, we don't recognize these borders. For sure, on issues of uh, air pollution, water, these problems cannot be solved by one country in the region. And therefore, we need the collaboration. You have here the list of the countries who participate in Malta. Their uh, addition after the first Malta conference, because we added Morocco and by the request of Pakistan, uh, the last Malta conference, Malta 9, we had Pakistani participating too. The Malta conferences are designed to provide a forum where scientists from 15 Middle East countries whose governments are often hostile to one another can explore what unites them rather than what separates them. To provide a forum that requires cooperation among the partners to solve regional problems to reduce the level of personal animosity and the tendency to demonize the unknown other. And to catalyze enduring collaboration on water, energy, nuclear and chemi- chemical security, entrepreneurship, and innovation, education, and nanotechnology. By the way, in the picture you see Nobel laureate, Rod Hoffman, who participated in many, many here he is. he participated in many Malta conferences, and you see him here in the discussion. The rules of the Malta conferences, biennial five-day conferences in a neutral territory. So everybody will be able to come. Participation is by invitation only. No accompanying persons. And here I have to refer back to the meeting in Corsica because uh, when we arrived to Corsica, every uh, group sat with the members of their country, and there was no interaction from tables at the dinner. So after dinner, I stayed with the Egyptian delegation and was talking to them, and it became late at night. And then the Israeli delegation came and joined us. And we really started already discussing the collaboration between the Israelis and the Egyptians, when suddenly the windows in the hotel opened and the spouses of the members of the Albert Einstein Peace Prize Foundation executive Committee started screaming at me, Safra, we want to sleep. So I answered them, while you are sleeping, I'm achieving peace. But I learned one lesson that in Malta, there will be a rule, no accompanying persons. Therefore, all the attention is just between the participants. Plenary lectures are being given by Nobel laureates. Now we added to the plenary lecture, uh, lecture distinguished scientists that are online to receive the Nobel Prize. Uh, we have interactive workshops. And every workshop has the, a component of entrepreneurship. And we have a guided poster session where everybody from the Middle East who wants to present their work in this guided poster session can do it. The two people you see here the two Nobel laureates. It's in Morocco, as you can see from the background. It's again World Hoffman. And this is uh, Martin Karpus from Harvard. We had nine Malta conferences. The 10th one is planned for this December in 2021. The first Malta conference was in Malta because in 2003, it was the heights of the Intifada and ACS wanted us to make sure that everything is safe. So the idea was that an island will be safer than mainland. And Malta gave everybody the visa upon landing, what was very easy. This was 2003, Malta Malta II was again in Malta in 2005. In between, Malta joined the European Union and the Schengen visa. And then the problem started. Getting a visa was a very, very complicated issue for all the participants because there were countries that could not get visas through the Schengen visa. So in 2007 we moved to Istanbul, Turkey where again everybody could get the visa upon landing and the Israelis and the Iranians did not need visa at all. In 2009 we decided to have it in uh, Jordan, so we are in the heart of the Middle East, and we were invited for 2011 to UNESCO as one of the last events of the national year of the International Year of Chemistry uh, in. 2013, we went back to Malta, and then we realized how complicated it will be to bring everybody. Uh, we had a lot of problems with visa. Malta is a very small country. They have probably 450,000 to 500,000 people, and they cannot have an embassy in every country. So they are represented by other uh, EU countries. And for Iran, it was, for example, the Austrian embassy. Uh, most of the Iranian did not get the visa. Only one Iranian got. In Jordan, it was represented by the Italian embassy again several people could not get a visa in iraq it was the italian embassy and it was very interesting because five men and five women scientists applied and the men got the visa all the women were denied the visa so it became a very complicated issue and in for malta 7 we decided to find a country that will promise from the beginning a visa to for all the participants. I went in Washington embassy hunting. I met with a lot of ambassadors, and usually the answer was that it will not be possible to issue visa to all the participants. The Moroccan ambassador Promised the visa for all the participants, but as the time came closer, uh, we were told that uh, Iran, no Iraq, Libya, and Syria will not be able to uh, receive a visa. Uh, how we solved all that, I will discuss later. Uh, Malta 8 in Malta encountered more problems and Malta 9 was the height of the problem so we we have to start really really working on the visa very early uh, MCF is the only platform where scientists from 15 Middle East countries can meet face to face and spend five days together with Nobel laureates. Mm -hmm. Since 2003, we have more than 600 scientists in our uh, network. The pictures that you see is from Malta 4 in Jordan, where we were invited to visit The Sesame Project that is in Jordan. It's the synchrotron for the Middle East. And you can see the Malta participants listening uh, to a lecture about the Sesame Project. And this is the in the Sesame uh, place. This is a picture of the 16 Nobel laureates who participated in the Malta conferences many of them participated many times and we by the time we had this this poster of the Nobel laureates we had as you can see one woman but it was not our decision to have only one woman but it was Stockholm that gave to Ada Yonath the Nobel Prize in Chemistry after 50 years that no woman got it. When Ada got it, she was the only fourth woman to get a Nobel Prize in Chemistry since they started uh, ending it. And there is a statement from Ada, we can all agree... Where we can all agree with science being limitless, borderless, countryless, genderless, it's just science. We hope by Malta 10 to add a few more to this picture. Uh, we have dignitaries that usually open the conference and interact with the participants. You can see here uh, the lady is Irina Bokova, who was the Director General of UNESCO and hosted us at UNESCO. This is His Royal Highness Prince Hassan from Jordan that opened Malta 4 in Jordan, but came and participated in Malta 5 in UNESCO 2. Hopefully, he will join us again in Malta 10. And the three people here are presidents of the Republic of Malta, because they have a rule of five years. So till now, every time we had another president opening the conference and really looking at the posters and talking to the participants. workshops that the participants decided to have is environment, air and water quality, science and technology education at all level, chemistry and biomedicinal chemistry, sustainable of, sustainability of resources, energy and material, nanotechnology, nuclear and chemical security. You can see here a picture of a, a table at their workshop, and you see participants from Palestine, US, Iraq, Israel, Syria, and Jordan. Uh, this is a picture from one of our uh, poster session. As you see, the speaker is this lady. Uh, the whole group is listening to her. Everybody is from another country here, but in Malta you don't recognize uh, from where which country people come because everybody is together and but. Participating in everything. Uh, overcoming a policy challenge to science diplomacy. Uh, we just, uh, I'm just going to give you an example that after Malta 1, uh, participants from El Quds University in Palestine and Weizmann Institute in Israel got together. Uh, to to uh, discuss with their presidents to sign an agreement that El-Kus graduates can continue for their graduate work in at the Weizmann Institute, and so their degrees are not were not recognized by the Israeli authorities, and we the Two presidents signed the agreement and we had graduate students at the Weizmann Institute pursuing her her PhD. We had a distinguished scientist from Elkwoods spending a whole year sabbatical at the Weizmann Institute uh, as a result of the friendship he developed at the Malta conference. One of the important uh, issues is water. The problem of clean drinking water in Gaza is very severe and there are a lot of diseases that people and babies get from not having clean water. The statistics just now is that today 97% of the water in Gaza is unfit for human consumption based on the World Health Organization standards. So working or solving this problem is one of the important uh, activities in the Malta conference. And in Malta 3, The participants voted unanimously on a resolution that was written by Israeli and Gazan participants to work together on solving the issue of the water in Gaza. By that stage, Tony Blair was the envoy for the quartet. Russia, the UN, and I don't remember who was the fourth one in the quartet. We delivered, hand-delivered the resolution to Tony Blair, and uh, we published it in a lot of places. We had few uh, results. In collaboration as a result of that, but as you can see, the problem is not solved. One of the results was that uh, participants from al-azhar University in Gaza, participants from Technion in Israel, collaborated on testing the samples of water from Gaza and the Technion and working on how to solve this problem. Another research grant that was given for scientists at Bethlehem University in Palestine and at the Weizmann Institute of Science was to work on purification of water. And here you can see the participant in this picture, you see the Palestinian from Bethlehem University who came to meet with their co-partner and to discuss the research. Water in the Middle East is a big problem. It has severe generally transboundary air and water quality problems. Without regional cooperation, this problem cannot be solved. So with funding and support of a UPAC, we formed in Malta a Middle East Air and Water Quality Forum that is working till now on the water issue. You can see here the picture behind posters on the water issue and two participants from this workshop are discussing the collaboration. Air quality is a big problem because, as you know, The air doesn't know the border, and one country cannot just clear their air when the next country is having pollution. So this is, again, a problem that requires collaboration. This is in Cairo, and you can see how severe the air pollution problem is. This is a group in our education a workshop and you see again a Nobel laureate Roald Hoffman working with a group from Egypt, Lebanon, Iran, Qatar, Jordan on trying to work on unifying the curriculum in the Middle East. The recommendation that came from the education workshop is to form centers of excellence and to be able to have exchanges of students and faculty to establish a virtual campus where there will be courses online and to incorporate. In the curriculum, new developed theories in science and technology education. There was a very strong push to add ethics into the chemistry curriculum. We are trying to attract young people to the conference. So in Malta 9, with the support of the ACS, American Chemical Society, We brought 15 young scientists to the conference. And we took this picture so we can send it to ACS to show them that they were really young. At the UNESCO meeting, uh, we had with us Michael Gretzel, famous for the Gretzel cells and solar energy is one of the important uh, subjects and collaboration in the Malta conference. Here you can see I don't know if you can uh, see on a big screen on the wall you can see these slides but I Depends on the size of your computers. I'm not sure if you can see it, but this workshop is on uh, chemistry and nuclear security, it's sponsored by OPCW. Uh, and you can see in this workshop, we had several lectures, and then there was an interaction with all the participants a science diplomacy can overcome cultural, religious, language and political barriers where other forms of diplomacy have failed. Here you have few statements of participants and the participants from Gaza said this conference has contributed in changing the regular prototype and opens the space for deeper understanding for the core differences Finally, this conference has worked against all odds and delivers its message towards borderless science diplomacy very well. And Israeli participants wrote, do you know what it means for us Israelis to spend five days talking to scientists from countries that otherwise we would never have the chance to meet? We develop friendships and collaborations. Where else can we do it? And I want to end with the statement of an Egyptian scientist that gave when she was interviewed by the media in the Malta conference and she was asked, what's your nationality? She answered, we have here only one nationality in this is science. In Malta 5 at UNESCO, as I said, it was part of the International Year of Chemistry. And you can see in the picture, Director General Irina Bokova, His Royal Highness Prince Hassan, are ready to come into the hall where the participants were waiting for them. Here you can see His Royal Highness delivering his lecture is opening lecture at the Malta conference. I like this slide that Nobel laureate Jean-Marie Lane uh, did and in his lecture he showed it to us and what he showed in this lecture is that from conflict to peace the bridge is science. and I love this slide. In Malta 6, we went back to the island of Malta. As you can see, this is the head table. This is a representative of UNESCO. The lady is the US ambassador to Malta. This is the president of the Republic of Malta. The tall guy is the British High Commissioner to Malta, and this lady is Marinda Wood, the President of the American Chemical Society. In Malta Seven, we had a lot of dignitaries. And we were afraid that if we will put everybody on the stage, they will fall off the stage. And therefore, you see they are sitting here in the first row going up to the stage. Uh, if I'll just recognize few, there is still more people sitting at this end. This is the Moroccan Minister of Education. This is the US ambassador to Morocco the British ambassador to Morocco, the Finnish ambassador to Morocco, the Norwegian ambassador to Morocco, uh, the EU representative from the Commission on Research and Innovation. We had the the Minister of Tourism, and we had the President of ACS still there, and a few more details. In Malta, eight that went back to Malta. You can see here, this is this time the UN, the EU representative of the Commission of Research and Innovation. The lady is the president of the Republic of Malta. This lady is a member of the French parliament that heard about the Malta conferences, wanted to participate. Participated in the workshop and was very active in the Malta conference, and we look forward to welcome her in Malta 10. And this is the vice director of the University of Oviedo in Spain, with whom we developed collaboration. Malta 9, that was in 2019, the last one. You can see again, we always make sure that we have these people uh, that attend and uh, interact with the participants. This is again a representative of the EU Commission. This is an ambassador that is now the foreign ministry in Finland, this, next to him is the president of the Republic of Malta, the UK uh, commissioner, and in the last four years Malta did not have an American ambassador like many other countries, hopefully now there will be ambassadors in all the countries. So this is the sergeant affair that was the highest person in the American embassy. Involving diplomats in science diplomacy is very, very important, so you see here diplomats interacting with the participants. I want to move now to this year that is a very unusual year. And we did not plan for 2020 a Malta conference face to face, but we did. Malta Zoom meetings because with all the pandemics, we have some uh, mini Malta conferences in the area. We visit with the participants and we could not do it in 2020. So we had a Zoom meeting where the Zoom meeting was on the collaboration between Abu Dhabi Stem Cell Center and Pluistem Therapeutics from Israel. You can see in the corner the people that were uh, involved in this uh, in this Zoom webinar. The two. This is the speaker from Abu Dhabi. This is the speaker from Israel, and then. We had a few board members who chaired the meeting. This meeting was advertised all over the world. And I just put a few examples from different newspapers. In German, from Germany, French, Italian, Spanish. And in the U.S., it it was published in the New York Times. Uh, and in the Wall Street Journal. What it says here in the title is Abu Dhabi Stem Cell Center and Can Unveil Joint Projects at Malta Conferences Foundation online event. Few of the titles added one more word that I like, but it was not in the New York Times. It says Unveil Joint Projects at the prestigious Malta Conferences Foundation. So I like the ones that called it the prestigious Malta Conferences. The second Zoom meeting was again on the issue of COVID-19. And this was titled Insight into Science Diplomacy on COVID-19. We were very lucky to get one of the busiest people during this period. And this is Victor Zhao, president of the US National Academy of Medicine. And he was talking, he serves on almost every international committee on COVID-19 and for the World Health Organization. And as he said, COVID nineteen impact is the pandemic endangers all population and undermines all the sustainable development goals. And you can see here he says that this will cause one hundred thirty five million more pe- more people that will go into poverty and one point six billion children will be out of school. And this was a very very important slide that he showed us. And now we are planning for Malta 10. And hopefully, everybody in the world will be vaccinated by December. And Malta 10 will not need masks. But we are getting ready to have Malta 10 Uh, with the COVID-19 protection so you see one of my former students designed masks with the Malta logo on it and those are already participants that uh, are wearing the Malta mask because we sent it to the participants if we need it in Malta 10 everybody will get a mask, and you see here, those are pictures that were sent. We have many more. We have the, uh, on the left a person from Israel, then Iraq, then United States, then Egypt. So we will be ready for having Malta 10, even if we still need to wear a mask. Uh, Malta 10 will be a big anniversary because it will be the 10 Malta conference, and I want to read a statement from the President of the Republic of Malta, uh, George Abella, who said in 2003, a great idea was born in Malta. This idea being the use of science as a bridge to peace in the Middle East. At first, there were only slender hopes of it surviving. Yet, it has thrived, grown, and returns home to Malta to celebrate the 10th anniversary of its inception. Uh, now the challenges, as I mentioned earlier, the challenges to get a visa for every participant in our uh, uh, the fractured world is almost impossible. I'll just uh, uh, take an example of the one in Morocco. And I came to the ambassador when he promised that everybody will get a visa and told him that We have countries that don't have relationship in Morocco. Therefore, they don't have embassies to hand them a visa. And they will have to get the visa upon landing what is not the practice in Morocco. And these countries were Iran, Israel, and Iraq. I told him that Morocco must hate the letter I. And then we had Syria and Libya. Uh, The problem started becoming too serious and I flew to Morocco and I met with high officials in the foreign ministry. They promised me the visa for the Iranian and the Israelis, but said there is no way that Iraq, Syria and Libya will be able to attend. And it took a lot of effort in finding contacts with uh, advisors to the king, with ministers, and writing letters that those uh, scientists are seeking to work and collaborate for peace. They risk themselves and how come a country like Morocco want to prevent from this three, the scientists from these three countries to come. And I must say that till the last minute, we did not know if everybody will arrive. We were left on the last day still with no promise, anything for the scientists from Iraq. And the conference starts always on Sunday evening with the reception. On Saturday, I was sitting in the lobby with the Minister of Tourism, and he tried to call the Minister of Foreign Affairs, the Minister of Interior Affairs, and he could not reach them in the it on the weekend, so then he, I said to him, and then I got a text while sitting with them, that the Iraqis are boarding the plane without having a visa and without a promise to get the visa for landing. Yeah. I told the minister that by that stage, it's all his. He has to solve the problem. And when uh, we started the reception, all the Iraqis came in and told us that they were treated at the airport like VIP. Uh, To get the the Palestinians from Gaza, we need to deal with several countries. We need usually when they have to fly, the border with Egypt is closed, so they have to fly from Jordan. In order to fly from Jordan, they have to cross Israel. Israel and we have the for Malta, we had to deal with the authorities in Malta to issue a visa with the foreign ministry in Israel, that is in every Malta, very, very helpful uh, to let the Palestinian uh, from Gaza cross the border into Israel. Meet the errors causing being driven to the border with Jordan, and then we need the visa from Jordan. And twice, after everything was set in the last minute, Jordan did not issue a visa, and we had again game to get very influential people in Jordan. Those are just few examples on how complicated is the visa issue for our distinguished scientists. The second challenge is to raise all the funds to bring all these scientists here. As you know from the list, there are many of them from countries that cannot afford, or countries that we don't want them to ask money in their countries for their protection. So we have to pay all the expenses for them and for the collaborations. And the fundraising is very tough. But till now we managed to have the nine Malta conferences and we hope we will have the money for the ten Malta conference. We are working very hard on raising the money. And the third thing that is a challenge is the cross-border collaborations. Uh, We were honored. My speeches on the floor of the Congress. You'll see here four speeches that are now in the Congressional record. Everybody can go and read it. Uh, We got several. A few were mentioned by Panche. I just want to mention the one in the UN. It's the UN Novit Summit that was held in the General Assembly. And the uh, UN Sustainable Goal number 16 is peace and justice and we got this award in the UN, Uh, the ceremony is still on the website of the UN, and you can see it there, and I want to thank our main sponsors and mentioned that from the inception, we have the American Chemical Society and UNESCO as our sponsors. We have OPCW sponsoring us from the beginning. It's a very tough task to raise the money needed. And I want to thank all the people That it's evening for them, for staying with me, and that it's early morning for them, for getting up to listen to me. And you can find more information on our website. Thank you very much. And now I think Angie will take over.
0: Thank you, Zethra, for um, an interesting talk, and I think we all became aware of the tremendous amount of work and logistics and funding that it requires to just simply bring together to be able to talk to each other, science with each other. Uh, that's really, really impressive, and it's really admirable. Uh, before we go with the lecture with the questions from uh, from the uh, audience, I just wanted to open the, the Q and A session with. Uh, an aspect of the subjects or um, themes that you have selected. So some of the main themes of the past Malta conferences were mainly centered around the energy, water, environment nexus, Um, especially air and water quality, alternative energy resources, um, and equal access for science education. These were the most important and more specific topics that you uh, you developed.
1: Can you tell us more about how were these selected? Uh, they were selected by the participants because it's not a one-subject conference. It's not a chemistry conference, not a physics conference. We have uh, scientists from every field because the most important uh, problems, water and air, need many expertise to solve the problem so we have chemists and physicists and biologists and hydrologists and engineers in the conference and the participants selected the subjects that they you saw so because if there were enough people in nanotechnology, for example, they wanted to have a discussion on nanotechnology and open collaboration on nanotechnology. So this is how the subjects were selected till now. And since the last Multi Malta conference, we changed the workshop uh, to be completely interactive with entrepreneur and a uh, component, entrepreneurship component to that, and we still did not select the subjects for Malta 10 because, as you understand, because of the pandemic, everything is much slower and uh, much harder really to put this conference. But this has to be a big, big celebration and we will have it. But air, water and education are really the most important subjects for the Middle East. Uh, We have a cluster
0: of questions centered around the participation of the UAE, specifically in the Malta conferences. Uh, How many times did the UAE participate? And uh, why Malta conference hasn't come to Dubai or Abu Dhabi yet? Was there political issues or some other uh, reasons for that?
1: Uh, In every conference, we had representatives from the UAE Sometimes more, sometimes less. We have in Malta, in Malta 10. With your help, Pancha have a nice delegation. Uh, Maybe next time in Abu Dhabi. Till now, we don't think that we could have it in Abu Dhabi, saw the list of participants. I don't know if uh, the UAE before the agreement with Israel would have given a visa to all the participants. Now that Israel is not a problem, I don't know if other countries that participate will easily be given a visa to the UAE. But every country doesn't want all of them, and we have to fight for that and find different ways to do it. And as I saw you in Morocco, Morocco, we sold it really in the last minute. Not in the last hour, the last minute almost. So the Iraqis were already on the plane with no visa promised. So Hopefully, if the UAE will promise the visa for everybody. It will be a very nice thing to have it in Abu Dhabi. Hopefully,
0: there are ways to work around
1: that. The next question
0: is also related to the uh, to the previous question. In your opinion, how is the UAE as a country doing in terms of science diplomacy, and how can we do better?
1: Look, the <laughs> we had the whole Zoom on science diplomacy because the first collaboration between Israel and Abu Dhabi was uh, unveiled in the Malta conferences. Uh, I think that we can do better by having more collaborations between scientists in the UAE and scientists in the other Middle East countries. As a matter of fact, I don't know, uh, there was an Israelis that flew to Abu Dhabi to lo- look for a collaboration, and I gave him your name. I don't know if he contacted you or not, but uh, we are hopeful that the, the UAE will get now much more involved in science diplomacy through so collaboration uh, between the countries in the Middle East. You know, science diplomacy now is a buzzword. Everybody wants to say that they do science diplomacy. I have a lecture on collaboration between scientists from the U.S. and Canada, and they called it science diplomacy. So but. Every diplomacy is successful between the US and Canada, not only science diplomacy. We want success where the other diplomacies are failing.
0: Um, in, in line with that, uh, can you tell us something about the new challenges and opportunities you see for the for the Malta conferences, especially in view of the recent changes in dynamics in
1: the Middle East? Uh, I hope that the research changes will help us to develop many, many more collaboration uh, between the participants of the countries in the Middle East. We still have to push our science education. Not that the U.S. is doing such a great job, but the U.S. attracts the scientists from all over. So Uh, But I think the Middle East has the potential to really become a a power in science. And we should now be able to form many more collaborations in the Middle East. And we still did not solve the problem that we want. We want the Malta conferences. You know, we don't advertise what we do in how we get to where we are, for example, normalization in Morocco. You could see from the participation of so many ministers that the the issue of normalization and collaboration with Israel was raised for sure, Uh, but we still have to solve the problem in the Middle East uh, between the Israelis and the Palestinians, and I hope now with the new dynamic we will have a push to solve this problem. As a matter of fact, when we started, everybody said why are you having all these Middle Eastern countries? Why don't you just have Israel and Palestine? And the idea was no, we need all the countries to be united to help us to solve the problem between Israel and Palestine. And we were right because we are moving towards a more understanding in the Middle East and collaboration. And I hope that we will continue to see good results.
0: Thank you for that. So going back to the conference, can you let us know where did you get the inspiration for the Malta conferences?
1: Where what? Can you ask me again?
0: Where did you get your inspiration to organize uh, the Malta conferences?
1: Uh, I read a lot and met a lot of the people that were involved in Pugwash during the Cold War. Uh, between Israel and the Soviet Union. And you mentioned I spent time in the Soviet Union uh, working on human rights after midnight. I had to take a crash course in Russian, so I wouldn't have a KGB translator. And But during the day, Oh, I came always with a, with a group of scientists. I couldn't come along and say I came to do human rights in the Soviet Union. So during the day, we started developing a collaboration between uh, the Russians and the Americans. And I met with a Pagos, I don't know if everybody in the audience knows what is Pagwash. Uh, Pagos was a result of a manifesto that was written by Albert Einstein, and Bertrand Russell from England, who was a great philosopher. And they called upon the scientists of the world, to use the science to have conferences that will bring the two sides together uh, for both sides of the Iron Curtain. And this is how the Pagwash conference started. It got the name Pagwash because the first one was in Pagwash in Nova Scotia, uh, uh, Canada. Therefore, our conference is called Malta because the first one was in Malta. But talking to the members of Pagwash, both in the Soviet Union and the U.S., I always felt that this is a great idea to solve uh, problems. By the way, Pagwash and their executive director, uh, Joe Rothblatt, that was a physicist, Uh, They got the Nobel Peace Prize for contributing to uh, the fall of the Soviet Union. So this was always an inspiration for me. To do something like that. And then came the Corsica meeting, where I was very involved there. And uh, after that, I thought that uh, it's time to do something similar in the U.S. So the Pagosh conferences were the inspiration for that.
0: So, this next question comes from a student that I'm particularly happy about, and I'm going to read it per him. Thanks, Professor Zafra, for your nice talk and, and your efforts in bringing peace is highly appreciable. I have a question. In order to attend this conference as a student, how is it possible? I'm Pakistani and is pursuing PhD in physics from Finland. Through this conference, I would like to bring some collaborations for renewable energy resources and this is a student from where this is from pakistan and they are pursuing phd in finland pakistan Uh,
1: uh, if you know how to contact oh uh, my email is not here i see my email is very simple it's my name it's safra z-a-f-r-a at safra lerman one word, dot com. And I will be more than happy if you contact me and we can discuss it.
0: Thank you. Uh, I think we can provide the email also from uh, from the Institute. So um, in the remaining time, Zafra, I would like to ask about the teaching aspects that I mentioned in my introduction. But of course, it was not part of this, of this lecture. Um, So in your work uh, on creativity in 3D, drawing, dance, and drama, you've proposed an innovative method of active learning, which uses artistic experience and computer animation to enhance the learning ability. Can you tell us more about how did you come up with this method, which methodologies you used, and what were the main observations from this implementation?
1: Yeah. It's always a question I like. There are people that don't forgive me for putting my attention now into the Malta instead of continuing uh, doing the uh, science throughout. Uh, It always bothered me uh, to see in the U.S. how very few minorities... Are represented in science. I used to go to ACS meetings and uh, I did not see many of them. And as she quoted me saying, and I usually I like when His Royal Highness Prince Hassan quotes me on this sentence, that science education is a human rights that belong to all and after doing research on secondary isotope effect uh, I decided that I have to do something with education and I knew that the way it's being taught is not working for certain groups it's very good for the top 5% of the students but the others it doesn't work so uh, Columbia College in Chicago that has or had, it's changed its character completely now, but it had a very high percentage of minorities, African-American students, and it was a college for art and communication. And I felt that if I can educate... Communicator and communicator are artists and uh, media people and the uh, musician that can uh, communicate issues. If I can communicate them, uh, if I can uh, teach them science so they will communicate from a knowledgeable point of view, it will be. Great idea. Uh, Columbia College did not have science, but then the president felt that he has to bring science. And to make a long story short, it's published a lot of papers on that, but uh, he uh, sent letters. Two members of Pagwash that I mentioned earlier that he is looking for this uh, person to teach science, but not only to be a great teacher, but to be a human rights activist, peace activist, every activist that you can think about in my name came up and he said to me, it's all yours. I'm not telling you what to do. You just do it. And uh, uh, I remember now from where did I learn this method? From my students because they taught me how they can understand. I remember in my first class uh, teaching, and there was a problem. They did not understand the reaction. And a dance student got up and choreographed it. And I said, oh my God, I'm a good student. I will learn how she's doing it. Uh, I showed some crystallization and an art student, They came and took a drop, put it on a a, a microscope that can project. And as you understand, the the solution evaporated and suddenly you saw beautiful feather coming out. And I said, oh, it's very nice out. So I tried to imitate what the students told me and then It became a method that became very, very well known, especially for non-science major and underprivileged students. And then in order to prove that it can fit in every university, the National Science Foundation gave money to me and the chair of the chemistry department at Princeton University, one of the most prestigious in the US and of Indiana University, a very big state school. With that, we covered all the spectrums of universities and colleges in the US. And we developed together a, a class titled From Ozone to Oil Spill, Chemistry, the Environment, and You. And they adapted these methods in their classes. And in order to prove that my inner city, minority students, can be as good as Princeton students, we had every year a symposium together where the students showed their uh, projects, and... Uh, because NSF uh, supported it. By that stage, it became, it spread all around. And I received the first international award in the new democratic South Africa from the World Cultural Council. So I had the chance to do it in South Africa in adapting the Soweto school district. Soweto is the only town where two Nobel laureates were born. Mandela and, and uh, Tutu. And I adapt, we adopted uh, the whole school district and showed them how to teach and continue the contract with them for many years. But the inspiration for the methods came from my students. And as uh, so, I say, I learned from my teacher I learned more from my friends, but I learned most from my students. So
0: one specific aspect of these new methodologies in teaching was um, involved uh, participation of students in the assessment process. So, so how this reflected on the students' participation overall and especially on their own ability to self-evaluate their own progress? Um,
1: the student, uh, it became so popular that there was all the time a competition to do a more creative. By the way, eh, there are a lot of these uh, videos on YouTube. Eh, I think. F- I think it's probably called the Lerman Institute YouTube, a lot of these videos, uh, because it became very sophisticated. Uh, I'll give you an example uh, a group of theater students that took my chemistry class theater students in chemistry, can you believe that? And they uh, did a project where they did a play, a theater play following Romeo and Juliet of Shakespeare, but it was a love story between sodium and chlorine to get married and form table salt. But because every Shakespeare Story has to end with a tragedy. So this had to have tragedy. So then they brought the water molecule and the water molecule broke the the marriage. And it was so accurately scientific. They described all the structure of the atom. Another theater group did the bond father, exactly like the godfather. The movie, all that is on YouTube, and people can go because people always ask me, Can you give us these videos? Can you give us these videos? I I could not start sending thousands of uh, uh, DVDs, but now it's all on on YouTube. There is 007 about nitrogen. Uh, There is a dance uh, by children. And we got involved with homeless kids home in a very poor cool suburb of Chicago that we taught in a dance studio, the science. and My dance students taught them dance there. In addition, we had to bring coats and food. But as a result of this program, many of them went to universities and two continuous to a PhD in biochemistry. They did the dance on the depletion of the ozone layer. The, this dance a, was shown by CNN five times all around the world. NBC showed it. That was very popular in the media. And those were middle school students, really. And we, there is a global conference for science visualization. And as you know, Golden Conference is very limited to the number 100 to 120. But the visualization was for many years in Oxford. And one year it was in the U.S., in Mount Holyoke College. So the chair said to me, we always see videos. Can you once bring the real students to show us how they visualize students? So I got a grant and I brought 25 of them to the science visualization. It was like a meeting between two cultures because my, the students were all African-American and the scientists in the Golden Conference all looked alike, you know, all of them were white. So it was a very interesting picture, but I can give a whole lecture on this interaction. There were a lot of lessons learned for both sides, but they we presented uh, the periodic table, uh, three state of matter, depletion of the ozone layer, all through dance, and you can see in the video, the the are standing and screaming bravo 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 because they showed it and in one of the IUPAC education meetings I ran a workshop for the participants that happened to be all of them professors in my uh, uh, workshop and then I broke and I said okay you saw what my students do now it's your uh, job to do and they came up with their own script for the depletion of the ozone layer and played it. It was beautiful to see British and Australian uh, chemists dancing the depletion of the ozone layer. So they got fame both because the, the system got because they were invited to conferences. They attended a conference of public understanding of science. Uh, These and uh, as I said, they were all homeless kids. And can you imagine homeless kids participating in a golden conference? So yeah, there a lot of things learned in this uh, in this method. And as I said, the videos are on the YouTube. That's quite uh, I can send you the the how to find it on YouTube. And you know who signed up for this uh, lecture, you can distribute it. They will distribute them.
0: So, perhaps to wrap up, um, uh, if you have any message for uh, scientists, students, chemists, um, other scientists who would like to contribute to the process of building peace through science, perhaps we can, uh, we can convey that message now.
1: Um, my message is everyone that is on this call, please get involved. As we have more people there, in few lectures, I call my lecture, creating the critical mass for a, for a chain reaction for peace. So we did a critical mass for that in order really to have the world moving to a better place. And as we will have more people participating, we can have more Malta conferences, we are limited by the money, but we can have many more, we can have many more participants, we can have... The point is that really, really, the number has to be limited. As you know, if the majority are chemists, you know that if you dilute a solution, the reaction is slowing down very much. So in order to have the interaction much faster, we cannot dilute it. And therefore, we cannot have accompanying members, cannot have guests, and the number should not be over 100 because in a, if you have really eighties, the ideal, but it's growing. We cannot keep it uh, because then in five days, everybody knows everybody because everybody stays in the same hotel. The students and the Nobel laureates stay next to each other. We believe in equality. Oh, ACS came out now with what D-E-I-R, diversity, equity, inclusion, and request. So, and respect. So for equity and inclusion, everybody eats the meals together, everybody stays in the same hotel, everybody goes on the organized tour together, no private tours of people leaving and going like people do in other conferences that are in great places. They were touring. Nobody goes touring, we have an organized tour for everybody together. So if we can have more conferences like that, we will achieve our uh, goal for a better world much faster.
0: That's wonderful. I would like to wrap up here by thanking our speaker, Professor Lerman, thanking all the participants for their participation and the questions. And uh,
1: have a good evening, everyone. Thank you.